Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Being an Artist is Fucking Killing Me. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, today we're here with singer Angie Gunn. Yeah. She is... Such a sweet soul. Oh, my God. Lovely human. She's lovely. Uh, we talk about some really silly things when we talk about <laughs> some really important things about like self-awareness as an artist... Um, letting your goals change, physical health and how it affects you. And you learn Kern's family values. <laughs> Dwight Kearns makes multiple appearances. <laughs> he does, he does. Um, for those of you who have... Oh, I also need to give a shout-out to Megan McIntosh, who is a loyal listener and listens every Tuesday morning and asked me last night if... Actually, she asked me a couple weeks ago if I'd give her a shout-out, and I think I forgot. So, Megan, I hope you enjoy your coffee this week. Aw, that's cute. I love you. You're so nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, Corinne and I are taking... August off. August off. So, we will be back mid-September. We don't have an exact date yet. Yeah. Um, August is crazy for both of us. Yes. I'm going to be gone the beginning of September. Yes. So, we just decided we were going to record up to the end of July release the episodes that we have, take a few weeks off, yes. and come back with season two Yes, in September. Yes. Things that we are interested in doing in season two is bringing back some popular guests. Yeah. Having more discussion topics or more group discussions. Yes. Um, if you have any ideas or if you are interested. Or have a band that you're a part of. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then like... Cool. Let us know. Email us. Yes. So we will be taking off August, um, but don't forget about us. Don't forget. Yeah. Uh, don't forget about our Patreon. Don't forget about our Patreon. <laughs> friends. Friends. <laughs> strangers. Yeah. Friends, strangers, avid listeners, fellow yeah. artists. Is $5 a month really that much money? Yeah. We don't put on shows and charge you a bunch of money. So yes. just... That's that's a good point. We're not producing shows. We're not asking you to come out to something. Right. This is what we're doing. Yeah. This is our art. We're asking you for two to five to a hundred to a billion dollars a month. <laughs> and basically two dollars a month for a year is less than you would pay to go see a contemporary show yep. or any dance show. Yep. So just give it to us. Help us. <laughs> Help us. <laughs> we ask for nothing. Except every week we ask for this. <laughs> it's true. We ask for nothing but this same thing. <laughs> we appreciate you. We appreciate you. We love you. Also, rate, review us, like us. Go follow us on Instagram, on okay. Facebook. We will be starting to talk about our latest film. Right. So we'll be shooting in August. So stay tuned for sneak peeks of that. Inspo shots. Inspo shots. We're super excited. Should we t- announce where we're going for the new film? It's Yeah, do it. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm excited about this. Okay. We have very exciting news. Gal pals, we have exciting news. Yes. In August, Corinne and I and our team will be beginning to shoot our new, a new dance film. Yeah. Our third. Part three. And, drum roll please, we're going to Nipua, Manitoba! Yeah. <laughs> the beautiful, the sunny, 
the tropical <laughs> farm town of Nipawa, Manitoba. We could not be more excited. And we're so excited <laughs> to film. So keep listening. We do have a few more episodes for you. We'll let you know when it's our last episode. But be aware that we will be taking four weeks off. And yeah. just, just re-listen to the ones that we've given you. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Let's get to Angie Gunn. Woo! Here we go. In your Joe job gives you vocal fry and, like, sometimes doesn't allow you to, like, perform to your best ability as a vocalist? Currently, no. Uh, I've worked... I worked at one place where I was having a major problem, and it was because of the, the dynamic of the room. Like, the, I, don't, I don't know a lot about, you know, production elements or, like, designing a space and sound, but it just it wasn't friendly that way. So just all of the sound was getting absorbed and magnified, and it was really loud. And so I was, I was having trouble at that point. Every morning I'd wake up and feel strained yeah. from talking eight hours in a really, really loud room. And you had to be loud. So you had to like talk over right. everything else that was amplified. Yeah. yeah, you don't really have a choice. Like In those moments I could feel myself straining, but mm-hmm. there was really... Yeah, and then I did work also at a venue that was quite loud, like talking over the bands. But yeah. I guess... It was less formal, so I was sort of able to like mouth things and like use hand gestures. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. But have you ever had a moment where you've been on vocal rest? I have. Yeah. I ran into problems with my vocal cords when I was about nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was hard. I had kind of planned my whole life to become a singer, right. and then I was at the age where I was going to go leave home, go to the city do it and I was having uh, difficulties so I got diagnosed with muscle tension dysphonia Um, so it's not super serious in terms of having nodes but it's more complicated than that I think like it's kind of what precedes getting nodes Um, like when you have to get can you talk about what those are for people that don't know right it's like blisters on your vocal cords and it can get really bad that's what nodes are Yeah. yeah I thought it was like I knew it was something on your... I didn't realize it was like a blister. Essentially. I mean, I, I'm i not a doctor, so I don't know about it deeply, but I, that's what I understand it to be. Yeah, like a blister. Um, so basically what that diagnosis meant was that I was sort of fighting against myself to make sound, which I think, especially as dancers, would make sense to you guys too. Like the way you use your body... Uh, if you're using inefficient habits, you develop pain or injury or... Yeah, yeah. Totally. So from there, I started taking the Alexander Technique, which you might know about. I don't know. It's kind of big in the dance world. Alexander Technique in the, is. In is terms it of like, like release acting? technique? Kind of. Yeah. It's, yeah, I would call... Release is a good way to put it. Some people use the word relaxation, which I don't think it is, but release is... Yeah. Okay. Um, so the lady who I was working with for years was actually a dancer... And the work she did with me has been super, super helpful. I, I just noticed, like, the more I do that work, the more my range improves, my pitch improves, my tone improves, my phrasing improves. It's like the idea that when we're talking right now, we don't really have to think about it. Mm-hmm. So um, it's like translating that to singing. Mm-hmm. Um, if your body is giving you problems making sound, it's more about figuring out how to take those problems away rather than a lot of people will start having problems and then train really hard with a voice instructor who adds new habits 
And I think that can be useful to add certain instructional methods, but if you have problems to begin with, it's more important to like tear away what's right. giving you problems. Totally. Yeah. And like build up from scratch in like a healthier way. Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I've been working with her for years. I still work with her, although a lot less. Um, so that's what helped you when you were 19 and you had this. Right, and it, I mean, currently, I've talked with Corinne a bit about like uh, having difficulties with pain and tension mm -hmm. still. So the work really helps me uh, with all of those long-term issues. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about what those are? Um, well, it's kind of hard for me to completely understand what goes on, but mm. from like I'm working with a chiropractor and a physiotherapist and it's hard to get, yeah, an official diagnosis or something, but it just seems like there's a lot of imbalances. Yeah. My spine is not really happy, oh. <laughs> but you know, I also seem to be, uh, really easily affected by the work they do, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're responding well to it. Yeah. I yeah. I'm really responsive. My body is so, um, so it's good. It just, it makes me worry a bit. Am I going to need like a team of professionals working on me forever to feel right to feel, <laughs> to feel functional? But, oh, yeah. um, also is that paid through like Ontario health? Like, oh, no, I'm in a program right now. It's called the artist health clinic. Okay. Uh, probably really useful for anybody who's dealing with some health difficulties, whether it's like mental health, physical health. Um, it's out of Toronto Western hospital and you go on the website I'm not sure what the website is, but if you Google like uh, Toronto Western Artist Health Clinic, mm -hmm. you should be able to find an application form and a telephone number, and then you apply and the uh, you get like a year of subsidized health uh, access to oh, different. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, it's not free. Like you have to pay. It's kind of like having benefits. Like if you work a job, generally you'll have benefits that pay for like so much of every appointment. Yeah. So it's like benefits for artists. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, you get it for a year and you can apply two times. So if you need like a couple years of treatment, it's there for you. So yeah. Wow. It's How really did you good find resource. out about that? I found out about that for my friend who is an actress who's in the program. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. So when did you first start noticing these like physical health issues that were being detrimental to your singing? <laughs> Um, well, I, I remember dealing with pain issues from the time I was quite young. Um, I grew up in a really strict house and it was the sort of like, you know, I grew up on a farm. So it was that work to the bone. If you're not in pain, like you're not working hard enough yeah. mentality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I never really learned to pay attention to pain. It was only when I started having trouble singing that that was like, okay, well, what's causing that? And then I had to pay attention to this, which made me realize this was also hurting. And, you know, it's kind of like a, a black hole in a sense. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Um, but it's good. Physical awareness is really good. Yes. <laughs> Just like any type of awareness. So what kind, of, what, do you, what kind of style of music do you sing? I sing mostly old music, so... I, I really like old jazz and I love classic country. Mm -hmm. So I tend to gravitate towards like 
um, Texas swing from the 30s and 40s, which is a hybrid of those two types of music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, once in a while, I like songs that are written currently, but it's more rare. <laughs> <laughs> Have an old soul, I guess. Yeah. Um, how did you get into music? Because I know that you didn't come from a super artsy family. Mm -hmm. Right. My mom was always singing uh, as a kid. She... She was never trained and she never performed, but she, it was, I think like a lot of the times people who are creative have maybe gone through certain things and like a certain art form has got them through that. Okay. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, she, she was just always singing and I think it was something that helped her out through her life. Um, it's like a, an escape or something. So... Um, when I was really young, I was just, all I had access to were her records that she had, which were like 80s country, the Judds. I knew every song by the Judds. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know so, the Judds? Yes. Thank <laughs> you. Um, and then I, I, I just kind of naturally loved music. So anything I heard in movies, um, and movies are... You know, there's a lot more show tunes and jazz. Um, and then when I was nine or ten, my parents were kind of overwhelmed by me because I was just singing all the time and clearly sort of had a, a tendency uh, to be drawn to music. And so they called the, the grade school and they asked, like, are there any music teachers around? Uh, is there anything we can do to uh, encourage that? And... They were then put in touch with a couple who had been living in town and they were just starting up teaching music lessons and they played bluegrass music and the house that they lived in was attached to an old country dance hall. So it was the place where in the 50s couples from the community went dancing. Um, so I became really, really close with them and through them I just like fell into the world of country, bluegrass, old time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, fell into that. And then it wasn't until maybe a few years ago that I sort of became more interested in jazz again. Okay. Um, and so I, I think what I do now is a pretty good combination of the two. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice. And so you moved to Toronto when you were 19? It was like right... It was, you were young. Like yeah. You were out of school, right? Around 19. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but you went to U of T. I did. For a little bit, yeah. I did for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in a family where uh, you had to go to university. It wasn't an option. Um, it's, it's funny because I was encouraged to uh, pursue like my musical uh, ambitions as a child, mm -hmm. but not in a sense of like making it a career. Um, right. Or even really doing it as an adult. Um, so it's a little bit confusing as to why, you know, I hit a certain age and then it was like, okay, that's the end of that. Now pick what you're going to do seriously. It was right. like all of a sudden you had to grow up and that wasn't a choice anymore. Right. Which is weird. It is weird. Yeah. Um, but so I went to U of T and from there I got into the world of Restaurants, uh, which let me be independent <laughs> and make my own restaurants. What a wonderful world! So then I quit. I quit school as soon as I was able to support myself, and uh, 
Yeah, I, I've always been the way that I don't really like being told what to do, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just wasn't the way. Yeah, that, I found that like being dependent on my parents meant I wasn't able to do what I needed because it was like, you know, you can't exist without us. You mm-hmm. can't pay your rent without us. Right. Um, so I had to do something about that. Um, so I did. And that's where restaurants came in. <laughs> what was the first restaurant you worked at? Well, the first bar I worked at was the Cameron House. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she knows Danny and all those girls. And <laughs> yeah, we were talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I know that scene. What a great first bar to work in, by the way. Yeah, I, I had heard of it from um, a musician who came to play at my high school. Uh, his name's Corn Raymond, and so he's really involved in that scene. And so as soon as I moved to Toronto, I wanted to check that place out. <laughs> so I went in and the... I love that place. Yeah. yeah. It's really great. <laughs> Sponsor us. Sponsor us, Cameron House. Your ceiling. I want to do a photo shoot on that ceiling. Like, it's so beautiful. Yeah. It's the great. whole room is. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Sorry, continue. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the owner of the bar, Cindy Matthews, she was working. So I went up to her and asked her if she would hire me. And she asked me if I'd ever worked in a bar. And I said, no, but I grew up on a farm, so I know how to work really hard. <laughs> yes. And she's like, all right, come in Friday night. <laughs> That's amazing. So that That's was so my cute. first experience working um, in the hospitality yeah. industry. City folk? City folk. City folk love... <laughs> City folk love farm people. It's insane. I think it's because, like... Uh, a lot of like people that are in the industry in Toronto are from Toronto. Yeah. And so I've noticed that managers and people that own restaurants really like hiring people that aren't from the city. Yeah. It's so, it fascinates them. It fascinates them and it like gives you something to talk about, I think. Yeah. And I think like going back, a lot of people came from farms, maybe like a couple generations right, ago. Right. So yeah. they trace it. I don't know. There might be maybe. a connection there. Also, like, yeah. maybe they just like having people with different experiences around. Yeah. Right. Right? Different perspectives. Because it is rare. Like, I haven't met many people in the city who grew up on farms. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what was, like, your initial reaction to working in hospitality? Like, did you love it? I mm-hmm. loved working at the Cameron. Yeah. Um, <laughs> while I was studying, I worked there every Friday and Saturday night for that year mm-hmm. that I went to U of T. Sorry, what did you go to U of T for? I just studied, like, psychology, philosophy, English, all of those sort of uh, topics that people who are more inclined to, like, be good at writing study. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I didn't focus on anything. So, yeah, I, I loved it. It was... I loved being there. Um, <laughs> my move to Toronto felt really natural, but at the same time, I had never experienced a place like that before. And like Toronto, the house? Yeah, yeah, and Toronto as a whole was so different from the town that I grew up in. Yes, the Cameron itself itself is just like an arts hub. Yeah, you know, there's so many musicians and mm-hmm. singers and actors and and I was people that just super like shy. But yeah. were you? Oh um, yeah, I mean, I still can be, but I was really shy at that time. And I just worked with like, well, I worked with a guy who actually played music with Danny named Steve uh we worked together Duncan Ray all these like real tough guys and they were great (laughs) it was it was was cool it was cool for me (laughs) 
That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and then kind of shortly after that, I got into Lula Lounge and started working there. Mm -hmm. And they kind of showed me how restaurants work because from there I was like food running and mm -hmm. hostessing and doing a bit of serving. So. Um, and that's the first time you performed, right? In Toronto was the Lula Lounge? I think that was the first time I performed, right? Yeah. They had a Patsy Cline tribute happening. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, and <laughs> one of the singers didn't show up. And I just asked if I could sing her songs. I said, like, I don't care what key it is. I know every Patsy Cline song. <laughs> so, yeah, I performed that night. And there were, a lot of, there were a lot of people there who were really supportive. And then, you know, that led to a few other things. And Yeah. Um, and I mean, I've mostly performed within the city. Yeah. So by led to other things, I mean more of like an immersion within the scene, uh, which, which is something. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. What was that feeling uh, that after first performing, like when you got off stage? Um, Do you remember? I mean, it was a feeling I was familiar with because I performed so much as a, right. as a teenager and a child. Um, but yeah, it was totally thrilling. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I was totally elated. So you were talking about how you were in school for like psychology and that like taught, you said something about writing. Mm -hmm. um, so do you, you've talked about how you use like the Ontario Arts Council to like help as every artist should. <laughs> um, have you applied for much funding from them or like? Um, I applied for a grant. I applied for a big grant actually from the Canadian Arts Council. Right. I didn't get it. So I was really disappointed, but mm -hmm. that was you the put only so one I've ever. So much work into it, right? <sighs> but there are so many. I mean, there are there are so many grants at the city level, the provincial level. Um, so that's something that I really need to to focus on, right? Um, working to get a grant, and I'm I'm not completely ruling it out, but I've sort of realized that I'm not um, I'm not as inclined to want to be a full-time singer and travel the world and uh, live that lifestyle. But that's not to say that I don't want to make a record and continue performing uh, no matter what pathway I end up going down. Mm -hmm. So I would really like to work on uh, getting a grant and learning how to write an effective Ugh, essay so for that. They're so, like, <laughs> yeah. but useful. So they're very useful and it's lovely that we have you know, Art this program and this bodies. is great, but like writing grants is so stressful and so it like consumes me personally, it consumes my life and like when I'm writing and then there's, if you don't get it, you just feel like it was such a waste of time. Yeah, it yeah. feels like such a waste of time. Such a waste of time, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Ugh. Yes. And it's a bit of a lottery that way, like totally. you put all the work in and there's no way to predict if no. you end up no no totally it just depends how they're like feeling mm -hmm. and what they're looking for if they have money still you know yeah you know end of year versus the beginning of the year totally well from what I've heard from somebody who's um been an insider in that realm there's like very often a lot of money left over um so I don't necessarily know if it comes down to like a shortage of funds mm. I'm not Again, I'm not sure why. It's weird, too, because there's so many different, like, little compartments of grants that you can apply for. Yeah. And sometimes... That's the thing, like, choosing the right 
choosing the right, right ones. So and if you sometimes, choose wrong, they, yeah. pull, they just pull your application. Right. Yeah. That's what's happened to us. Yeah. I think there are flaws for sure yeah. yes. in the system. Also, like, sometimes people don't apply for certain ones. Like, I was talking to um, people who do the residency ones, and they say a lot of the time people won't apply for the residency grants. Like, it's like $30,000 grants, and they have $30,000. You can apply for up to that. But a lot of the time, they're, the amount of applications they get isn't they don't get enough applications to like put it out so i see it's it's so weird that you like like certain grants just will go unrewarded and then other grants such as like emerging artist grants there's so many applications and there's not enough money for them mm-hmm. it's right. weird that they wouldn't transfer over i mean i understand it understand like why they can't transfer it over but it's it's just unfortunate you know yeah I and I even like there are a lot of artists who don't necessarily excel at writing persuasively right. and it's right. I mean it's not linked to dance right. or singing we, yeah. or, it has nothing to do with like your talent as an artist it has to do yeah. with your talent as a writer right but then like how do you get the money to make that first recording right without, right to have so evidence to show that you are right. proficient exactly. at your art mm-hmm. so it's it's tough yeah, yeah. I I can't really think of how to improve on what's happening, but... I just think that, like, every single art program needs to have a course or something where they teach you how to write grants and, like, how to write... sure. You know, because if you don't... If you go to certain programs and they're not teaching you that, you're just kind of, like, blindfolded trying to apply for funding. Or, like, perhaps you have a source of funding. Right. Which a lot... I mean, I think a lot of people who become successful artistically do. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't, that's how you do it is through Mm -hmm. grants. Yeah. And there are a lot of private ones too, rather than just like the municipal or provincial. There are like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Private, uh, grants within the city you can apply for. But again, most of them require an essay of some sort. Oh, you put so much 18 pages later. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was literally just one application, an 18 page application that we did that we didn't get. And that was like a small application package. Yeah. That's, that was like an easy, that was an easy one. Yeah. It was 19 pages. Yeah. Later. Wow. Some of the, when you apply for grant funding, it's you're nearing 60 pages at least. And like, yeah, a lot of it is like graphs and, you know, budgets and blah, blah, blah. But like that stuff still take time. You're not like consistently writing, but, oh, yeah, it's a lot of work that you put in and then you're just hoping for a, a lottery, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Uh, funding. We complain about grants all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a new topic for us. No, we do actually complain about grants all the time. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think you're right in the sense that. It's so, sometimes it has nothing to do with, like, the talent. It has to do with how good you are at convincing people that you're talented. And it's about convincing people, too, and, like, using certain language, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You have to be sort of business-minded to to succeed (laughs) that way. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also another skill. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And And it's something you don't just... Some people maybe are more naturally that way, but... You have to be taught yeah. how to use that language and... Yeah. Right. I think it just is, like, it's the same with, like, charism- 
charisma. Like some people are naturally charismatic people and can talk their way into anything and everything. Mm -hmm. And some people that just isn't a skill for them. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's basically like what grant writing is, is like trying to be as charismatic on paper to get your funding. Yeah. You know, and appealing to whatever group you're applying for. Right. Yeah. Like, how can I make this group of, how can I align myself with this group of people right. as much as possible? And then like convince them that I'm talented at the same time. Right. Yeah. And not just talented, but like also have the skills to like use the money properly and to like finish the product mm -hmm. because that's another thing they look for. Do you have the like ability to right. follow through? Right. And yeah, I mean like a lot I mean, I remember when I, I forgot my first grant and because they give you a certain amount of money, you feel like, well, you have the grant. It's like, awesome. Yay. I can do the thing and I can do this. But now all of a sudden you're like, I've been given so much money. And if I don't produce anything, it's like a dis you get this idea that you're going to like disappoint the council or you're going to people that you've never met <laughs> the people that you've never fucking met yeah. and people that like literally wouldn't be able to pick you out of a fucking group, you know, but you're like, I'm going to disappoint my municipal funding source <laughs> <laughs> and you're like oh fuck oh me oh my god <laughs> yeah the emotional ups and downs right yeah. is it what is it like as uh like a singer is there i guess it's the same as just applying for any yeah i applied for one that was under the realm of professional development right um just to like continue working with susan and then maybe begin to like save up in my own way or like have the time to actually write and plan an album or even just a demo recording. Um, but I didn't get that. So I think going in the next time I would apply to something that just is a demo recording. I think it would be easier to summarize how I would do that or how it would help me. Or, yeah. Right. So do you write your own music as well? I do a little bit. Yeah. Mm. Not, not by rule. Like I love finding songs, uh, and like curating set lists and shows. So, but I write occasionally and incorporate that. Mm -hmm. I, I consider myself more of a singer than a, than a writer, but sometimes I write songs and sometimes people like them. So <laughs> it's part of it. Yeah. All you can mm -hmm. hope for. Um, if you had the money to produce an album, would you hire a writer? and just be the singer on the album? Or would you try to do um, it all yourself? No, I, w I would definitely curate the songs. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, would, I don't think at this point I would hire someone to write songs for me so much as I would go out there and find songs that exist. Right. Oh, okay. And then pay for the royalties. And then include some of my own. Right. Pay for royalties. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When and you... I mean, you might not know the answer to this question, but when you pay for royalties... How, how does that work? Is it, are the royalties higher if it's a song that's super popular and it's super current? I don't know a lot about it. Okay. I know that if you choose songs before a certain date, there are no royalties, which works oh. in my favor because I happen to like really old yeah. songs. Yeah. Like a certain year, right? Maybe it's like pre-1930 something. But I mean, there, there are great awesome songs, songs that are yeah. that old and you can uh, do things do something with them. Right. Uh, so I wouldn't rule that out either, mm -hmm. like choosing some real old material. Um, but yeah, I, I usually like songs that I feel were written because the, the writer had to write it due to like an internal 
uh, force or need, like not, not because they were writing a song because it's what they do for a living and they right. need yeah. to get paid. And of course, like some really good songs come out of, come out of that. Um, but, and I, I can't prove that all the songs I like didn't come from that uh, force, but it's, right. I really think there's a difference. And like when I write songs, that's, that's why I write is, you know, I'm overwhelmed with a feeling. I need to figure it out. I need to make it into a song. And then it's part of your like processing. Yeah. So I I tend to like songs that I feel were written that way. Um, and it's not to say that they're better because there's some really clever songs that people are writing from a different place right. mm-hmm. but I really I love the the ballads and like the open wound songs yeah. <laughs> I feel so you I feel like a lot of country songs are like that like totally have, yeah and I could be just extremely miseducated <laughs> but I from what I witness and what I hear I feel like there are a lot of a lot more I guess I should say country songs that are written from that like nitty-gritty right yeah, for sure. Like it's open emotional. Then, for place. example, like I wanna follow where you go, like Sean Mendes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not saying that he's not a hurt soul, but I feel. I like, mean, he's like twenty. Like, I know he's nineteen. I mean, like, I don't want to. Never mind. I saw him the other day, and I was like, huh, he's got nice skin. <laughs> Real nice skin for a nineteen-year-old. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, but yeah, I feel like country songs are definitely more from that like nitty gritty place yeah and I wonder why that is well I like I saw something on the internet once that said uh the word pathetic if you if you go back far enough that word was considered like a positive characteristic if you're if you're telling someone their work is so pathetic like in you know a medieval age that was a compliment whereas nowadays that's like you know the lowest yeah, dirt. The lowest uh, way to describe somebody. Yeah. So ha- these kind of like pathetic songs, I love those. And country music is like quite pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was so cute. <laughs> so I'm, yeah, I'm drawn to, to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's like a, just an emotional honesty. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's... It's, I think it's missing right now, uh, like from culturally. Music? Yeah, and just from like uh, North American culture generally, um, sort of like the inclusion of like all of the emotions and like mm. acceptance of all of them, and like uh, letting it be okay to express anger, sadness, things that are like considered negative, mm-hmm. but are actually just like important in. Being a happy uh, human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and like informing you about decisions you're making or... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everybody kind of tries to live on this like even scale plane of emotions and attitude. Right. That Or even I find there's this like obsessive happiness movement. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's yes. true. It's like, yes. yes. Yeah. Right. Inspirational, inspirational quotes everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's good to be happy, but I I don't favor it. Like it's it's just another emotion. It's a 
happens and passes and if you're gonna like post something that's like be happy i'm happy then you should also be posting things that are like i'm very sad and in a dark place today (laughs) and i think different people do gravitate to different yeah emotions more or less but yeah yeah i i think it's silly for like society as a whole to say like you should be happy all the time right post a post a smile on your face forever Right. I also think that we're in this generation where we've grown up with um, programs in schools and stuff telling us that, like, if you're not okay, these are the signs, and like, if you're not this, blah blah blah. And if you're right, if you're, 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 I think that the generation that we're living is more hyper aware Absolutely. of how they're feeling. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was talking about this with someone the other day, but like, when I was like 16, and you're feeling whatever. Mm-hmm. sad you don't know what's going on so you're just like angry and you don't understand why these emotions are coming out of you but like when it happens when you're a bit older and it's happened a few times throughout the past years you're more aware of like oh I'm starting to go down a hole or yes. like oh I'm starting to spiral mm-hmm. and like you can kind of I mean I know some people can't but I personally feel like sometimes you can like pull yourself out of that if you realize like what's happening yeah you know? it can help like yeah. I think a lot of people in our generation right weren't brought up uh, by our parents to learn yeah. these strategies. Yeah. Right. So I think, but that as a generation, I think we've really, we're really changing that. So there's, I think there's a lot of hope in that realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I agree with that. People are just talking about it more, mm-hmm. right? It's having more conversations about it in general will just bring awareness, right. make it more accessible, hopefully, and like destigmatize it, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think, yeah, like I think going back to art, mm-hmm. like when you're in that place, being aware of it, singing about it, creating yeah. from it is useful and it's important and it's like what makes us human and... Totally. Yeah, it's, a, it's important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was having a day yesterday, the other day where I was like, do I only ever make art when I'm sad? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking about that because that was like the last thing I did was because I was terribly sad. Mm-hmm. And I was I, like, am I, is that, does that make me a cliche? I think I might write more when I'm sad. Right. But like it, from a performance uh, place, definitely I'm like healthier when I'm not in that place. Like I can. As a performer. Yeah, as a singer, like because your voice is your body. So I don't know if you feel that way about dance, but like if you're feeling depressed for like a solid amount of days mm-hmm. it's quite difficult to have the energy to perform mm-hmm. right yeah I don't know if you feel that but I feel in my if I was performing I I would agree with that that I might not have that energy but like that like motivation to create something comes from sometimes that dark place yeah for right sure. because yeah. I'm like how because I don't know how else to deal with it I don't know how else to work through it other than for me to like move and that's that right I'm always sort of teetering on that like totally yeah sometimes it works sometimes it something dark happens it pushes me to like suddenly I'm booking a show like and then you know be yeah it's like straddling that like there's dark things but also like and like taking them in and being with them but also treating yourself in a healthy way and being able right. to take care of yourself well enough 
to physically do what you need to do to create. It's, yeah, it's hard. That comes from like your growing self-awareness, right? Totally, yeah, and practice takes practice. Yeah, totally, it's a practice. Self-care is a practice. Self-care, yeah. (laughs) Self-care is a practice. And if that means Netflix and bath bombs, then it does. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if it means sleeping, then it does. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. rest. Yeah, totally. Rest is important. Being horizontal is my (laughs) self-care. These are things that I had to learn as an adult, and I think like a lot of people in our yeah a lot of people our age too I don't know maybe that's incorrect but I know like in the family I grew up in it was like rest what's rest yeah like, totally you're fine work harder yeah push and yeah. that's when you run into injuries and strain and yeah um, yeah you're sitting down it's bad I'm mm-hmm. always moving <laughs> sitting down um, is worse than smoking <laughs> <laughs> quotes from Dwight Kearns <laughs> All I want at this point is a job where I can sit down. I love <laughs> sitting down. Working on my feet love for it. so long. It's all I want. If I can sit down, it's what I'm going to do first and foremost. That's the first thing I'm thinking of if I'm standing. I hate standing. It's up. funny, yeah, because I like have friends who work in offices, and I get it. I think like sitting can be hard on you when you're doing it all the time. But right. as soon as they complain about it, I'm like, oh, all I want is a if job. If only. Where yeah. I can just sit instead of being on my feet for eight hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's also a balance. A balance would be perfect. <laughs> nope. And I think like being nope. an artist like, would be a good balance. <laughs> nope. Always sitting down. <laughs> I love to just like... As she lays down on the couch. Just all day. This is how I feel. (laughs) Anyway. Sorry, continue. Um, I I was going to say, like, if you were sort of making it as an artist, like, you're working writing grants, you're sitting some of the time doing that, like, or, like, taking care of your book work, and then you're performing, too. So that would be, if it were a feasible thing. If it was a feasible thing, I would, like... If I could make it, someone would be writing my grants for me. Yeah. <laughs> I think I would be, I think I would do grant writing for people. Like would it, you? Yeah. We I would, think I would do Kate. that. Do you want to work with us? Yeah. <laughs> grant writing for us. Well, I'm going back to school also uh, oh. in the fall. Hopefully I'm still waiting to hear back, but I'm pretty sure I should get in for communications, which is like namely writing. Yeah. And so my thinking is like, you know, if I'm, if I'm not getting anywhere musically or it's not, you know, I'm finding, like, I love to perform and I can make good money at a performance, but I can't perform five nights a week. So, because uh, you know, how can I... Because Or it's yeah, just that, not I don't you. know if I don't know if many people could. That's true. Like, I... Yeah. It's hard. I don't it, know how. Singers get sick and they get, yeah. have to cancel tours and... Yeah. yeah. So I'm not comfortable just, like, relying on that mm-hmm. um, as my goal anymore. So I'm going back to school and I figure, you know, maybe I'll end up getting a sitting down job and making art, yay. Or maybe it will just help me to write grants and then I can even like write grants for other people. Mm -hmm. What's Uh, weird about that is like, I mean, I don't know. I've never written a grant for someone else or I've never paid anybody to do it. But like, do you get paid more if the grant works out? I believe, yeah. I think there are people who do it that way. into the budget. Right. Or, I mean, Mm. I think you could do it either way. You could charge, you know, this is what I charge per working on your... Paper or I or if you get the grant, I get this percentage of the grant. You couldn't pay me enough to do that, to write a no. grant for someone. You couldn't just for <laughs> someone else. <laughs> nope. I think no. if I believed Hell in what no. they were doing, I or maybe even if I didn't, and they were going to pay me well enough. 
you but like, mean, how would sell out? What do I do now? <laughs> what, well, what do I do now for work? I like, I clean people's houses. I take care of their kids. I like stand wearing a tight dress, like in the entryway to a fancy restaurant and say hi hey, what's to up? rich people. Yeah. Like what's selling out that's that true. or like writing grants for artists totally. who are struggling. You're right. You're right. So, yeah. That's, that's my perspective. In the past, I would have been like, you know, backup plan. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I'm there. Yeah. I'm like, I think I'm growing up. I think I'm growing up. <laughs> Is, are you or are you just becoming like more of a realist? Yeah, I think it's a, look, <laughs> is that what that is? Is that back in, in the like same awareness, right? Yeah. Like, how can I take care of myself? Better? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think. <laughs> also, like, how can I work less standing? Is yes, <laughs> always, constantly. <laughs> at the restaurant I work at, there's like. That's so awful for me as like a mover, a dancer to say, like, I would just love to be sitting. Like, but it's nice you're, when you don't do it. Right. You like you work in restaurants, both of you. Yeah. So it's a lot. Uh, yeah. When you have rehearsal all day or fuck, especially you're like in eight rehearsals right now. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> I like got 30 minutes to myself sitting on the subway and then I got lunch and I just sat by myself in a small room and people were like, you going to the studio? And I was like, no, not yet. I need a minute. <laughs> and just sat on a bench and ate alone and was so happy. It was amazing. Oh, it was the dream. I love, <laughs> I love nothing more than sitting and eating alone. I think <laughs> I hate eating with other people. It's awful. I hate when I'm on my break eating and then like the, my coworkers are like trying to have conversations with me. When I've just had conversations with strangers yes. for hours. Yes. That's like... Kitchen the, guys. Like, what? Yes. don't fucking talk so to lonely, me right now. They're lonely right I in the know. kitchen. I know. I get that, though. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty isolating to work at, like, a station all by yourself the whole night. Yeah. Totally, yeah. So I try to keep a balance. I'm like, all right, we just talked for five minutes. Now I need some alone time. <laughs> yeah. It's like putting your hand over their mouth from across the table. <laughs> And they usually get it when you tell them, like, yeah. oh, I've just been talking to people for hours. I right. just need some space. I don't yeah. understand why, this is a bit off topic, why we created this, like, beautiful realm around sitting, eating with people. Like, no. I it's, don't like, pretty primal, it. I think. Yeah, I think, like, <laughs> I think it, like, goes back to, like, hunter-gatherers. Like, we just, like, worked for this food, and now we're going to sit and enjoy it together. I would do that drinking. I like drinking with people. I don't like eating with people. Like, I'm not communicating with you when I have food hanging out of my mouth. <laughs> I'm, Maybe like, in between. But it probably comes back to that fast-paced lifestyle, because you're used to eating in a rush. Right. Maybe. You're, like, inhaling your food, and you're like, okay, let's go. Yeah, yeah I grew up with, yeah. like, a lot of siblings, and I think just, like... <laughs> that could do it, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fighting over leftovers. <laughs> I and this is off. The table. <laughs> also, like another Dwayne thing. One time when I was like, because I my sisters are quite older. Sorry, my dad are quite <laughs> older, much older than me. And one time I was like by myself with my dad eating, and I was asking him questions. I was probably like sixteen and like kind of getting personal questions. And he literally said, "Like, stop talking to me. You're ruining my meal." <laughs> It's and a family I think, trait. I think it's a trait. <laughs> I'm like realizing more and more that I'm turning into an old man. <laughs> turning into your father. Yeah. That's true. Ugh. Uh, what's the, what's your, what's so you were saying like your end game is maybe 
writing grants and doing the thing or getting um, a desk job and doing the thing? I mean, if I could get paid well enough to sing, um, you know, weekly and maybe like make good quality recordings and, you know, actually make money from the work that I was recording and do that for a living, that would be amazing. But also, you know, I have like these physical hurdles. I think, I think to sort of like create that for yourself, you need to have good health and like perhaps funding both and for sure at least one. And I'm not saying I have terrible health, like woe is me, but I definitely have some uh, struggles in that mm -hmm. area. Uh, so, I mean, it takes, it takes money to, to feel good or to like get to feeling good when you have a health issue. So that's a, just sort of like coming to terms of that has made me reevaluate where I'm at and what I need. Um, and in the beginning it was really sad. I was thinking like, you know what? My dream is just feeling impossible. It, it was heartbroken, uh, heartbreaking, but I'm, I don't, uh, I don't see it that way anymore. And I think part of that was letting myself like grieve that way for a bit, but I, I think I can have a great life. I just have to sort of, um, retrack things or yeah. Mm -hmm. Your idea of being a singer, performer, artist has kind of changed yeah, and I mean, just being real about my limitations and mm -hmm. uh, some people have certain limitations and, like, life's not completely fair, but, like, everybody has their own... You don't always just get what you want. Like, so that's... Uh, and I, you can work at it. and Yeah. But, I, yeah, I, I'm definitely a lot more realistic than I was five years ago. And I, But I don't, I don't regret, like, my 20s or what I've learned in like, uh, establishing myself as being independent and not needing someone else for money and having to like live a life that I'm not completely choosing, mm -hmm. right. uh, that's invaluable. Like I, I've established that for myself. So, you know, from, from there I can make my own decisions and do whatever I want. And mm -hmm. a lot of people never really sort of get that freedom. I think a lot of people live their life kind of being pressured from their parents. And mm -hmm. I don't think that's healthy. I no. I think you need to sort of work on that if that's the case. And then maybe one day you can reestablish that relationship or that connection. Right. Um, that's just my opinion. Right. Because you moved quite far from your parents. Where are you from originally again? So like two and a half hours. But, the, but where they live is, a, it's kind of remote. It's difficult to get to without a car. Okay. It's like a 40-minute drive to the train station that's right. nearest. Um, so it's difficult for me to visit right now because I don't have access to a car and I'm not comfortable going and staying for days because we don't have that type of closeness. Yeah. But, but I think eventually that will change. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You moved far in terms of like, you were like, no, I'm doing this on my own. I'm yeah. being independent. I want to do this myself, whatever that yeah, looks right like. Away. I'm getting a job. See you later. Yeah. And I've always been that way from mm -hmm. the time I was a kid. Like I... I mean, every kid wants to make their parents happy, but I think maybe I was less that way than some kids. I was <laughs> yeah. more in touch with like, hey, Making me what do happy. I need? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's great. I don't know yeah. why, but yeah. Everybody should have that. Yeah, yeah. And it's something that you cultivate and yeah, it's only even, if, even if you haven't uh, always been that way or something. Right. To learn it. Yeah. It's only something you learn by experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And your life just gets richer. And even though it, you might go through more struggle or hardship at the end of the day, everything is so much more fulfilling when you've 
right. when you're doing, when you're more free, when you're doing what you, mm-hmm. what you want to be doing. Totally. And, you, and you've figured out what you want to be doing because that's a hard thing. Totally, yeah. Yeah. And really examining that in a, in a tough kind of way. Right, right. yeah. Because yeah. I think there's also a lot of pressure with people that you said feel pressure from their families to like follow a certain path. Yeah. To like, even if it's not their families necessarily, it's like society. Yeah. Right? And they could sure. be totally unhappy and live in this like gray middle area for their entire lives and never be critical of what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it would be like to be one of those people because it seems so <laughs> yeah, so right. strange to me to not question what you're doing or mm-hmm. you know who you are. But I yeah, I know they exist. <laughs> I've met them. Great, <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> they're out there. And and that's not to say you know like there's certain jobs or certain people because. You know, I'm learning that I think I would be quite happy to have, like, a desk job. Yeah, totally. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, to do, to do it without questioning. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Or to not to come to that conclusion on your own. Exactly. Right, to just, like, assume that that's what you're going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. To let someone control you with, like, money or whatever. Right. Yeah. Emotional well-being, security. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All those things. So is being an artist fucking killing you, or anything? I've had my moments. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, at the end of the day, I think how I feel this week is like, I think my life is pretty rich. I'm, I perform when I want to. I'm like, I have the connections that I can book sh- shows and. Great. I'm in control of that. If I if someone wants me to perform and I don't want to, I say no. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard. The, like, poverty is hard. <laughs> <laughs> it poverty is. is hard. What yeah. a quote. <laughs> but it's fulfilling to, yeah. yeah, to be living for what you want to be living for. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That's amazing. Um, you're performing soon, right? Do you want to plug? Tell us, plug things. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm performing um, in a couple Saturdays from now, June 30th. At eight o'clock at the Cameron House. I want to come. Yeah, you should. It's gonna be fun. Uh, I'm playing with a guy that I play with all through the city, and he he plays with tons of people. Nickel Robertson. He's totally amazing. Uh, every time he plays, it's like inspiring. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be great. Uh, I'm excited. Amazing. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks so much, coming. Andy. Thanks for having me. That was great. So great. That did not seem like an hour. No. Yeah. Right. Um, thank you guys for listening to Being an Artist is Fucking Killing Me. Go to Patreon. Please give us money. Um, I can stop saying this if you just do it. So please go do it. I was thinking about this the other day. What? I have donated to so many people's fucking Kickstarters. I or, saw that on our email. Yeah, on our my, own, my own money, yeah, but like, because yeah. it's a friend of mine in New York. Yeah. But I like did it through our gal pals thing, so like maybe I can write it off. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but like, I feel like I've donated to so many people's fucking GoFundMe's and Kickstarters, and like every time it's like twenty five bucks. Yeah. You guys, you assholes, <laughs> you assholes, <laughs> could donate two dollars a month for a year to gal pals, and it would be the same amount of money. Right. And you would help us get new mics. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't take much. No, right? And no. I come to everybody's shows. 
Right. Donate to everybody's Kickstarters. Yeah. And some, and you know, sometimes I do it just to hopefully that they'll do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then they don't. And then they don't. You're losing money, right? <laughs> Fucking losing money because. <laughs> Now we're getting back into that business territory. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, maybe I shouldn't talk. Maybe I shouldn't call everybody assholes. You for real? Um, but yes. please donate. Please don't. Please, please don't give us money. We can get new mics. Yeah. It would be awesome. Also, what you should do is go to iTunes and review and rate us. That please. would be much appreciated. That costs nothing. That costs nothing. And yeah, I know iTunes is hard to use sometimes. I don't understand the cloud. I don't understand <laughs> iTunes. I don't understand anything about Apple. But you can, I figured out how to go rate us. I couldn't leave a comment because I couldn't figure that part out. But I did rate us. So you can do it too, Mom. Okay? <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>